mayoral county stamps that are required on drawings for no reason as far as I'm considering. Uh, so I met with the mayor Monday to talk to him about what can the county do to take some of the stamping requirements off of it. And so he said he's going to look into it to see if he can help us get rid of some of the red tape. He can't guarantee anything because it has to go through planning and commissions, but he thought maybe we could get rid of some of that. So uh, where we're sitting right now is we've raised $91,000 of the building fund. So Dad says, oh, we like 50, but I want you to know we've raised 91. So now we need to raise the last, you know, 20, 30,000 or so uh, if we don't have to do stamps. If we have to do stamps, then we've got to raise the full 50. So uh, put out the pledges. Put out whatever you think you want to do. Uh, let us know what you're thinking because um, I think it's time we start moving because we've got this week we are meeting with the group that wants to start a tutorial school here for middle school and high school. So uh, this building, if it's already at 15 to 20 families that want to put their kids into a tutorial school, this building will barely hold that 15 to 20. So if we're going to do another building, we can then pick up more people and more kids. And so there's a real need right now for homeschoolers and those kind of things to have tutorials because some of us don't know how to do English. We ain't got no idea how to write. Now, we can do math all day long, but we can't spell anything. And so we can do the engineering part, the math part, the science part, but we need the people to come in to give us the English parts. And so the people that can do English usually can't do the math. And so it's a combination of people coming together to do that. And so if we get 15 or 20 families, that's, you know, 45 or so, 50 kids here coming for tutoring, tutorial stuff for high school. And so, and so if you have somebody that you know that would like to be send their kids to tutoring or for homeschooling or something like that, let us know too because I let my wife and I know because we have a meeting this week with those people to start planning that, put that together for fall. So uh, that's a big deal. So so I think everybody's back from putting their kids in the children's church now. So Today I want to talk about the crucifixion and wine. And uh, if you get my morning paragraph uh, on Friday, Good Friday, I had wrote a paragraph about the wine. And I'd use that actually for the Good Friday service that we had with the community. We had two minutes to, uh, each pastor got up and spoke two minutes about something. And so I, I used this. So I'd spoke this and I'd sent that out to you. But then Rebecca was looking at it and she's, I was like, you know, because Easter is always a hard service. Because Jesus raised from the dead. I think everybody knows that. So how can we make it fresh? How can we make it new? And so I was talking to my wife. I said, okay, you know, what do we want to do for the service? What are you thinking? And she says, I think you need to expand on that two-minute sermon that you did for the community. I think you need to expand on it today. And so I'm going to try to expand it to where I would have gone if I'd had a good 30 minutes kind of sermon. So we're going to go to it. So let's go to John chapter 19, 28 through 30. And this is Jesus on the cross. Now... As you're turning to it or you're getting on in your Bibles, on your, on your phone, Jesus continually used a parable or a thought of his ministry being a wedding feast. When he was challenged with questions, he would use a parable about a wedding feast or he'd use an answer about a wedding feast. And so then on the day of his crucifixion, John 19, 28-30, it says, After this, Jesus, knowing that all things were now accomplished, and that the scripture must be fulfilled, said, I thirst. Now a vessel full of sour wine was sitting there, and they filled a sponge with sour wine and put it on hyssop and put it to his mouth. 
So when Jesus had received the sour wine, he said, It is finished. And bowing his head, he gave up his spirit. Now, I don't know for a fact if Jesus had flashbacks. You know, you want to talk about a flashback? In TV shows or movies, it turns black and white. Right? And so I don't know if Jesus on the cross was sitting there, but when that wine touched his lips, I wonder if he had flashbacks to different things that had happened. And one of the first things we know is he had a miracle on the very first time of his ministry, a miracle that his mom had him do. Does everybody remember that miracle? His mom says, you need to do something about this. And he says, my time has not come. And she looked at the servant and she said, do whatever he says to do. And so there were six jars. Remember, this is John chapter 2. Six jars sitting there for used for washing of the hands and stuff. He said, fill those jars. And when they filled the jars, he said, now take and dip it and give it to the master of the ceremony. So they took the... And I can imagine them filling vessels with water and then they start to dip it out and it's turned into wine. And they're like, whoa, what is that about? And so they take it to the master's ceremony and he drinks it. And he's like, where did this wine come from? And so he goes to the bridegroom and he says... What, what are you doing? Normally, people, when they have weddings, they, they give all the good wine first, and then when everybody gets drunk, then we bring out the old sour, cheap wine because they don't have any idea what you're serving them. But now you have brought the best wine for the very end for what you've done. And he, Jesus, then it says, he used this as his first sign to show the glory of God. That's what it says in John chapter 2, verse 11. He used this to bring the glory of God. And so that was his first miracle. But with Jesus, everything progressively got better. So his last miracle was the resurrection. He started out changing water to wine, but his last miracle was resurrection. Don't you think that's a little bit bigger sign? I mean, that you could lay your life down on the cross and then take it back up three days later? A resurrection is a little easier than turning water to wine. And so at that point, I think that's kind of the way God wanted us to see. He starts with a wedding feast, water into wine. But the glory of God comes at the end with the resurrection, the bringing back up his life. And so in, and that's in God's kingdom. God always brings the best for last. And so as we get older, we have a promise from God. It's only going to get better in God's kingdom. It's only going to get better. When we die, it's only going to get better. If, if we served a God that when we died, there was nothing else to it, would that make you really gung-ho to serve that God? No, but we go to a better place. And so it causes us to, to be a little more disciplined, a little bit more. Because here's the thing. You're only as disciplined as long as you can see that it's going to bring results. Have you ever started a diet? And after a couple of months, it doesn't bring results. What do you do? Quit. Because you don't have the discipline. You don't see the results. So in the kingdom of God, we know that if we believe and we continue to do what God has called us to do, we are going to a better place. It's going to only get better. Now, is there some hard times? Yes. Jesus showed us there was hard times. But it's only going to get better. And that's what gives us the hope and the discipline to do what we need to do. But mankind in his own life, his own thing, we have the time to, we start out good and we kind of finish badly. 
right? You kind of start really gung-ho, and then as it slowly progresses, it seems to just kind of wane. Because the master of the ceremonies kind of gives us a foretelling from the crucifixion. He says, you always bring the sour wine, the cheap wine, at the end. When Jesus was on the cross, and he said, I thirst, the wine they brought him wasn't the best wine. It was the sour wine. The wine that we bring to the cross is sour. It's cheap. It's mixed with vinegar. It's not truly wine. It's not what you would want to drink. We bring to the cross our bad stuff. And so when we go to the cross, when we get saved, we bring what? Do we bring our good to Jesus? Are we good enough to come to the cross? No, we bring our wine, our sour things to Jesus. But then he turns it back into what it needs to be. But in our culture, in mankind's culture, I don't care which culture you go to, there's this ideal that we need to just kind of push things down, tamp them down, make them all come to level. Everything needs to be... Political correct speech, PC speech, is basically that we all have to speak the same way and we flatten it out. There can be no creativity. Rebecca was telling me about somebody that sang a satire song the other day, back in the day, some satirical song about the slaves and the way black men were created. And it was a satire. But now she's sung some song that they use in the seven-inch stretch at, at a ball game. Well, they've decided we can no longer play that because she's sang this satirical song. About, but she was singing it to say, this is not the way black people are. They're much more than that. But they've taken it and they've said, well, you know, political speech, we got to. So now they can only play boring music on seven-inch stretch. They can't use her song anymore because of the way she... See, in mankind, as things go along, it just continues to get worse and cheaper and more level. We just kind of bring things down. We don't want anybody to be gifted or excel. We want everybody to be the same. We want everything to be cheap. We want everything to be easy. Because if you excel, that means I would have to I would have to try harder. I'd have to excel. And so in mankind, we always try to bring it down. We always try to So when you got your first job, Remember your first job? How hard you worked the first day? How much you just gave it your all? Do you remember those days? Some of you are like looking at me like, no, I don't remember those days. But then after some amount of time, you figured out the harder you worked, the more what? The more work they expected out of you. So what did you do? You start to slack off. You start to not give your best because if you give your best every day they just expect more of you and so you slack off from it so you bring your what as after a while you bring your cheap wine yeah you bring not your a game you bring your lower game to your business then when it's on the line when everything's pressured then you bring it up to the a game again and then as soon as that's over then you drop back down to it's the way mankind wants to function that's the way we want to so I'm going to tell you a little humorous story here on this uh, I went to my LT360 coach and I've been I'd lost all this weight, started out really good got down to where I was at, good fat percentages in maintenance, all this stuff, but slowly it's been creeping back up and I haven't really been changing much, it's just kind of creeping back up so the other day I went two weeks ago, two months ago I went 
And I said, what's going on? Why is my weight going up? This discipline I have got my life in is not paying off. And she looked at me and she goes, are you happy? I'm like, no, I'm not happy. I didn't tell her that. But I'm like, no, I'm not happy. I'm doing all this discipline and I'm getting nothing from it. I'm not happy. And so I left and told Rebecca, I said, she didn't give me any clue of what I needed to do. So that Friday, I text Shane, and I text Chris, and I text Dwayne. I says, would y'all like to go eat out? Because I'm, like, done with LT360. The discipline is over. Well, they were all where they couldn't eat with me. And I'm like, oh, man, I can't go buy pizza for myself because if I do, I just, you know. But if I had an excuse to go buy pizza and get undisciplined with them, I could do it. Ah, i got to go home and eat right. And so I went back this last time to the coach, and she says, well, your numbers are still looking the same. What, what do you want to do? I'm like, I want to get better or I want to be quit. I'm just, I'm done with this discipline stuff. And she says, well, here's what I want you to do. She says, I want you to do burst training. Burst training? What's burst training? What's high intensity interval training? Uh, that doesn't sound fun. So she said, I want you to do it for 21 days. I want to see if your body needs to be shocked. Uh. I thought a shock was is when I drove into the parking lot of the gym, I shocked my body by driving back out before I worked out. I thought, like, that's, that's a good shock, right? Or when I saw ice cream, I'd act like I wasn't going to eat it, and then I'd eat it. That's a good shock, right? No, that's not the shock. She wants high-intensity training for 21 days. So I got on and you know, did some search and found this thing, and it was like, okay, we want you to do burpees. 12 burpees for one minute, and then rest for a minute, and then 12 more burpees. And, and they change, you know, it just starts out where you drop down, and then you come back up, and you stand up, and you jump, you know. That's the first 12. I was like, okay, I can do that. So I started that one, and then the next one was you drop down, you do a side split with your legs, you bring it back, then you do a push-up, then you jump up. Do 12 of those. Well, you know, I got through 12 of them. First time I got done, I did a minute, but I, I was done in 30 seconds. I'm like, whoa, this is easy. Do the next set. Hit 45 seconds, got done with 12, and I couldn't breathe. I was actually, I looked for the door to the garage there, and I'm like, I'm going to open the door because I think I'm going to have to run out and puke on the sidewalk out here in a minute because I'm feeling so bad right now. So I got to the third set of them, and it was some kind of thing. Let's see, what was it? Oh, you, you drop down, you do the side saddle, then you jump from the back position to a squatted position, then you drop back down to a push-up, and then you jump up. They were getting harder. And so guess what happened about the third one of those? I said... I encourage me. I can't do anymore. Now, my wife's doing it with me because she's wanting to encourage me. And she's still doing them. She's making me look bad. So I thought, I, well, I can do one more. So I do one more. And then I'm like, I can't. I can't do anymore. I can't breathe. I can't. I'm dying here. I'm going to pass out. You're going to. Have, where's the defibrillator in the garage? I don't know where it is. You know. I'm. I'm like. And she's like, "Come on, you can do it." So she's trying to cheer me on. You know. And she's like, "Do something." So I'm like, going, "Okay, I'll stand here and do this until we get to our minute rest." You know. And I get through. You know, it's like do a couple more, and then I'm getting to where I go down. And it's like, okay, I got to bring the right leg back up left leg back up and then to stand up the minute's over with you know that's it I'm done I'm like okay this is and I was like I can't I can't do anymore I can't. and the more I said I can't guess what happened the more I couldn't so my goal for Friday was is I'm not going to say I can't 
I don't care if I only get through one burpee. I'm not going to say I can't. I got through the whole workout. Now, did I do 12 for every one of them? Especially not the reverse mule kick one. I did not do 12 of those. Matter of fact, the ones I did do wasn't reverse mule kick. It was like a, hey, let's pop off the ground like a Pop-Tart kind of thing, you know? And so, but I did not say I couldn't, and I didn't say I can't, and I got through the whole thing. And then I watched this video of this guy, and he was saying, you know what? In our life, we never, ever do as much as we could do because we decide that we can't, and we give up before we do And I got to thinking about Jesus on the cross. You know, it said he went silent before the soldiers, before Pilate. He didn't speak. He kept his mouth shut. And I've often wondered, why did he not say anything? And I wonder if in that moment of being silent, if he had ever said anything, if he would have said, I can't, because he was man. And when men say, I can't, we then look for an escape. And he had an escape, right? He told the disciples, I can call down a legion of angels and I can get out of all of this mess. But he's never said a word because he's like, I So the only thing he really even says on the cross is, I thirst. Because he knew when that wine touched his lips that it is finished. Because that's what he said. He said, it is finished. And he bowed his head and gave up the ghost. Because he knew something. The wedding feast was over. Since he continually compared his ministry to a wedding feast, when they asked him questions, well, why don't your disciples fast? And he says, can the wedding party be sad when the bridegroom is in their midst? But someday the bridegroom will be taken away, and then they will fast. And so when that lip wine touched his lips, I think he was saying, The wedding feast is over. It is now time for you and me, for us, to realize the marriage has begun. Now, you remember your first day of wedding, the wedding day? It's pretty stressful, wasn't it? But it's pretty fun, too, right? Kind of exciting. Guys, we remember the honeymoon, right? First week or two, it's great. Marriage is great year into it, yay. Two years into it, yay. <laughs> Four or five years into it, eh. Right? Because why? It's no longer the thrills, but it's now the, the work. It's the work of the marriage. It's every morning you got to work together on the budget. you got to work on raising kids. you got to work on, right? Marriage becomes work. Now, it still has its up times, but it has a lot more of its just plain old flat times. And so with Jesus walking this earth and him doing signs and wonders, the disciples got to have a great and glorious time. But with him gone now, we have to do a lot of fasting and praying, and we have to do things that we have to do to make the marriage of the kingdom of God with the kingdom of man work together. And so what Shane was saying, the ridicule. In our country, we are not beaten and scourged because of our beliefs. Has anybody been here beaten because you believed in Jesus Christ? In India, they're having that happen. In Bangladesh, they're having that happen. In Afghanistan, they're having that happen, right? We've heard those stories. We've heard of the martyrs. In our country, we don't have that. But we still have to work. We have the ridicule. 
we have the shame. We have the people that say, you can't say that, you can't do that, because they don't want us to give our gifts that we have so that other people can be saved. They want to dumb us down. They want to bring us to a below level. They want us to give our cheap wine. But God calls us, if we're in His kingdom, that the end is better, so we're supposed to be giving what? Our best. We shouldn't say, I can't, or somebody else needs to, or something of that nature. We should be bringing our best every day to the kingdom of God. Now, I don't know about you, but every day I don't bring my best to the kingdom of God. Because I have to drive to work. And it's all those other people on the road. It's because I have to work with people that are not saved. I can't bring my best that day. It's because... What are we doing? We're giving excuses of why we can't bring our best. Did Jesus give excuses for why He didn't bring His best? He just brought His best. And so in my life, I've got to be at the place where I'm going to bring my best every day for Jesus. I'm going to bring my best wine. I'm not going to bring inferior stuff. I'm not going to bring wine mixed with I can'ts. Because wines with I can'ts never get anything done. It's useless. It's wasted. It's like me trying to do a mule kick burpee. It's not very graceful. But as long as I don't say I can't, I can get through as much as I can and give my best effort. And for this Easter service, really, that's what I'm, I want to tell you. We don't need to bring our sour, vinegared, I can't, less than our best wine to Jesus. Because this is the marriage of the kingdom of God to the kingdom of earth. And marriage is hard work. And it's not always thrilling. But if we continue to work on it and make it better every day, if we continue to work with the kingdom of God and we continue to bring, we do get some really good highs. Would you agree with that, Rodney? Would you agree with that, Philip? It's when we give our best. And you don't give your best when everything is on the line. Because that's the way we'd want to do it. Well, you know, I'm going to... Well, if I had to do a hundred and... Let's see, what is it we're doing? We're doing 12 sets of nine burpees. That's 108 burpees. If I had to just one day drop down and give you 108 burpees, Tim, and I haven't been working on my best every day, do you think I can give you 108 burpees? No way. But if I give my best every day, from now until you ask me to give me give you 108 burpees, do you think I could? It's the same way the kingdom of God. If we don't give our best today, when we need to give our best later on, we will fall short of it because we haven't given our best today. Because we think, I'll just rise to that occasion. You know what? I'll just join the Pittsburgh Steelers and I will be a good wide receiver. We know that's stupid, isn't it? I'll join the NBA and be the best white guy on the basketball team. <laughs> I told the guys in the jail the other day, I gave them white colored pencils. And the guy says, what's a white colored pencil any good for? And I said, I don't know. It's like a white man on a basketball team. <laughs> it just don't work, right? And so the thing is, is we understand that. But you know what? If I had started at 12 or 13 giving my best every day to some sport or something, and I could be an Antonio Brown or a, you know, a Stephen, Steph Curry or whatever it is, you know, I could do those kind of things. But I wasn't willing to give my best every day. Now, I probably wasn't gifted and talented in that way either. 
But what was it that I gave up that I could have been better at if I'd gone back? And so today, what we've got to say is, what do we want to give our best today for? And I've got one thing. I want to give my best for Jesus. I don't care about athletics because I know I'm too old to do athletics now. I'm too old to do eight burpees without getting winded and looking for the door to throw up, you know? But I know one thing. If I give my best for Jesus Christ, it will get better tomorrow, and it will get better tomorrow, and my best will be for the end when I do that. Because he doesn't give cheap wine at the end. He gives his best wine. And if I'm following him, I'm going to give my best wine at the end. So I just want you to actually think about that as we're thinking about the resurrection and the turning the water. His greatest miracle was at the end. Not the beginning with the turning the water into wine. It was what he did at the end. What he's doing with you and I is better than what he did before because he said greater works will you do than I did. Why? Because he expects better things to be done now than what he did. Because he expects the best out of us. He wants the best out of us. He actually demands the best out of us. And so I'm just going to ask you, start to exceed what you think you can do. Don't say, I can't. Just start pushing yourself just a little bit harder today. You may not give everything you've got today, but give everything you've got tomorrow. And maybe by the end of it, you can be saying, you know what, I can do 108 burpees. Maybe I'm not going to look at this discipline that God's got me in in prayer and fasting. Maybe I'm not going to look at evangelism and baptizing and doing the things that God's called me to do, making disciples, studying the scriptures. Those are all disciplines to make things better for the end as I do my best today. And bring your best wine for that. Because when Jesus was on the cross, he said one thing. It is finished. When I lay on my deathbed or when he comes back on the rapture, I want to be able to say, it is finished. I've given my best. My best was here right now. So I just want you to bow your heads and close your eyes. So I'm going to ask you a couple of questions for this altar call. Have you been giving your best or have you been given cheap wine? We're going to go a couple places in that. Have you been giving the best? Have you been given cheap wine? In your call that Jesus has called you to, what he wants you to do in life. If you had and you said, you know what, I realize today I can no longer not give my best. I need to give my best. I need to bring my best wine today to Jesus. I need to serve him with the best I've got today. If that's you, I just want you to slip your hand up and say, that's me. I need to start doing that. Father, you see our hands. You see our hands all around this sanctuary. Father, we are a people that want to start giving you our best. And we have fallen short. We have fallen into that place that our kingdom of God and the kingdom of man put together is not working like it needs to. And I ask you right now to just work in our lives, work in our hearts, work in our spirit, work in our minds, that we would give our best. We would give our best wine, not inferior wine. We wouldn't put I can'ts and want those kind of things into it. 
but we would give you everything we have to make it see done. We would exceed what we can think we can do of ourselves. So I talked about a couple of places, but I want to hit some specific things. In your life, are you bringing cheap wine to your marriage? Now, make sure every head's bowed and every eye closed and spouses don't look around or don't nudge your spouse on this one either, okay? But if that's you and you're like, you know what, I need to start giving my best to my marriage. I want you to raise your hand up and say, that's me. I, I need to stop bringing cheap wine to my marriage. I see those hands. I see those hands. Father, I thank you. I thank you, Father, that we have decided not to bring our worst to our marriage. We're going to bring our best. We're not going to bring cheap things to our marriage. We're going to bring our best into this most significant relationship we have. We're going to start bringing our best. Father, I ask you right now to work on us and do that. So we're going to continue on with the family thought. If you're here and you're like, you know, I've not been giving my best to my children or my grandchildren, whichever it might be. And I need to step it up. I need to start exceeding what I think I can do. I need to no longer bring that cheap wine to that. If that's you, slip your hand up and say, I need to do better with my kids. Father, you see those hands. You see those hands. Father, I just ask you right now. Father, work with us. Work in our hearts that we understand that these kids are a gift that you've given us. These grandkids are a gift that you've given us. And we want to give our best. We don't want to bring cheap wine. We don't want to bring leftover wine to them. We don't want to bring something that's messed in with I can't. Because, Father, we know we can. And we want to make it better for them today so that it's even the best for them tomorrow. Father, show us how to, to work in that life you're here and you're like, you know what? My job, I've just been kind of floating through my job. I've not been doing what I need to do. And you realize today that to be the example God's called you, you need to do your best at work. I've got a little caveat to that though. Never give to work more than what you give to God or your family. And so you're like, you know what, I, I, I can do more for work to do better when I'm there, but I'm not going to rob my family or my God from it. But you're like, you know what, I, I think I can pick up something here. I can take more responsibility. I can even be more responsible for God in my work. If that's you, I just want you to slip your hand up and say, that's me. I need that spot. I see those hands. I see those hands. Father, I just ask you right now in the name of Jesus to give us this this unction to do our best when we're at work, that we don't hold back because we don't want to have people expect more. Father, we don't. We want to give you glory. And in the things that we serve and the things we do, we want to do it as unto you, Lord. We want to make it our best. Father, show us how to do that in our lives. In one last place. Are you doing what you need to do today to be ready for tomorrow? Are you doing the prayer and the fasting? Are you doing the reading of the scripture? Are you doing the discipling? Are you doing the things you need to do? 
It's not about the call of God. It's just about growing yourself. Are you doing the best to grow yourself in the kingdom of God? If that's you, I just want you to slip your hand up and say, I need to do better in that area. You see our hands, Father. You see our hands. And Father, we just ask you right now, Father, just really continue to work in our hearts, work in our our soul, work in our spirit, that we would want to spend time with you to grow ourselves in you through the scripture, through fasting, through prayer, through making of the disciples, through studying with others. Whatever it is that you need us to do so that we can grow ourselves, that we not be stagnant, that we not dumb ourselves down, but we use our gifts Not when everything's on the line, but every day so that we continue to build our strength of our discipling for you. Bring those disciplines into order. And Father, let us always understand our hope is in not what we see today, but it's what we will see tomorrow. Our faith is in not what we see, but what is evident that will come about. We declare that right now, that our faith would arise and our discipline would grow stronger in those areas of our life. And we thank you for that in Jesus' name. Amen. We're going to sing one last song, but if you need special prayer, you need something going on, finances, whatever it might be, I'm up here. I will agree with you in prayer. We'll pray together. But otherwise, let's just go and sing worship the Lord, our Savior, our risen Lord, one last time. So follow Rebecca in this last song. Amazing grace, how sweet the sound that saved a wretch like me. I was, was lost, but now was blind, but now I see. T'was grace that taught my heart to fear, and grace my fears relieved. How precious did that grace appear. The hour I first believed My chains are gone I've been set free My God, my Savior Has ransomed me And like a flood His mercy reigns Unending love Amazing grace, Lord has promised good to me. His word, my hope, secures. He will my shield and portion me as long as life chains are gone I've been set free my God my Savior has ransomed me 
flood His mercy reigns Unending love Amazing grace The earth shall soon dissolve like snow The sun forbear to shine But God who called me here below Will be forever mine My chains are gone I've been set free My God, my Savior has ransomed me and like a flood his mercy reigns unending love amazing grace my chains are gone I've been set free my God my Savior has ransomed me and like a flood, His mercy reigns unending love, amazing grace, amazing grace, how sweet the sound that saved a wretch like me. But now I'm found Was blind But now I see Father we come before you As humble servants As friends We ask you right now your grace would cover all the places that we fall short and your mercy would come in all the places that we totally mess it up because we want to mess it up your favor would be upon us as we go forth that you would honor us before men but you would also honor us before you that we would see your glory and that your glory would fall on us so strongly and your spirit would work so mightily inside of us That, Father, we would just have nothing to say, but it was all God. That it's not in our own being. It's not in our own self. We can only bring what we can do. But, Father, you're going to take what we give you and you're going to multiply it and make it greater. So that we can turn and give the glory back to you. Because we know that it's not us. That we're not going to boast in what we do, but we're going to boast in the cross. We're going to boast in the Jesus Christ of the cross. And what he has done in our lives the places He's brought us deliverance, and the places that He's brought us up. And Father, I just ask You as we walk out of this place today that You give us that grace, that mercy, that favor, and also, Father, the glory so that we may shine forth for You in all the places. And in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Well, happy Easter. Go forth. You should be able to beat the Baptist to the buffet, the Methodist to the uh, meal line, or the uh, Presbyterians to the pantry, or whatever, I don't know. (laughs)